0: title of the message this morning is The Last Lecture. The Last Lecture. We've been in a series going through the uh, book of 2 Timothy. We're in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And I want to set it up this way. In the 1990s at Carnegie Mellon University, you can see it on the screen here. There's a university right there. There was a professor there by the name of Dr. Randy Powish. Dr. Randy Powish was invited to give a lecture. invited to give a lecture, part of a unique series that they were doing there at Carnegie Mellon called The Last Lecture. And in The Last Lecture, what would happen is, is that the professors would download the very best of the best that they had. They would give their best philosophy, their best wisdom, the best of what they had, as though this is the last lecture that they will ever give. And so they were chosen selectively to do that. And Randy Powish, who is head of the science computer science department, was chosen then to give the lecture. But something was very unique about his situation, and that is that it would not just be part of a lecture series, but it would indeed be his very last lecture. Because Randy Powish is diagnosed by the doctors having pancreatic cancer. And in uh, three to six months, he was uh, told that he would die. So on September seventh, two 2007... He would give his last lecture. I'm going to show you a video in just a minute as the auditorium was packed. Uh, this lecture, part of the lecture which you're going to see, would go viral on YouTube. Over 20 million people would watch this video. but You're just going to get a little snippet of it. Over 20 million people. He ended up being on ABC, NBC, became a celebrity, he was on Oprah, and it just went crazy because of the impact of this man giving his last lecture. And he wrote a book that he wrote to his kids. It's awesome. I've been reading it this week. Here's a man that he knew he just had months to live, so he wrote his last lecture. And what we're going to look at this morning is another man that knew that he only had months to live. And we're going to look at his last lecture, too, and what he would say to us. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to hear for the words from the the most well-known, high-impact Christ follower in all of history. what we're going to do is we're going to highlight three points. Three points that he would tell us as if he was here this morning giving his last lecture there. So we're going to walk through this, we're going to explain it, and then we're going to see how it impacts our lives. We have application questions at the end. So our context is this. If you can picture in your mind the Apostle Paul, he's basically in a hole, in a dungeon, and it is cold. And he knows he's shortly going to die. He knows that God has warned him and the Spirit has told him that this would be it. So he he writes in verse 5 to Timothy his young son who he is coaching there and how to live. He says, "But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord and work it out telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry that God is giving you." So here he is penning these words from a hole in the ground, a dark, damp, cold dungeon. No windows, no lights, no toilet, no running water, no furniture, no ESPN, just a cold, dark hole as he's writing his last words here. Awaiting his execution. Why is he awaiting his execution? Because he's been condemned to death. He's been condemned to death for the crime of preaching about Jesus Christ, saying that he is the way to God, the only way to God, and that he has died and risen again. So for that crime... He's in the hole and he writes these words at the end of his sojourn on this earth. And I want you to notice when he he writes it, there is no hint of despair. There's no discouragement. There's no sense of defeat. There is no fear here. He's about to cross the finish line and it's like this. It's like he's about to cross the finish line. And just as soon as he hits the finish line, he turns back and he spins and does a little 180. And he goes back to Timothy and he begins to give him the last lecture of his life here. And that's what we're going to unpack this morning. And he's basically saying this, Timothy, I'm here in the dungeon with shackles on my feet. He says, and everybody has abandoned me and I am suffering. But here's what you need to know. Timothy says, Keep on. Keep on keeping on. He says, do you see the life that I have lived following Jesus? And he has this unique perspective of having lived 30 years serving Jesus, having traveled 13,000 miles. And now with this perspective that he has, he says, look, I've been beaten more times than I could remember. I've been at death's door more times than you want to know. I have been beaten with rods three times. I've been flogged 39 times, five times. I've had to fend off robbers. I've been naked. I've been cold. He said, I've been, I've been pummeled with rocks. I've been there. I've done that. I've seen it all. And he says, Timothy, Timothy, keep on. He says, look, Timothy, I, are you going to suffer? Yes, I have suffered here. But keep on, Timothy, even in the midst of suffering. And all that to say this. Okay, if you are a Christ follower, and I recognize some of us are and some of us aren't, if you're not a Christ follower, this is going to kind of talk about, we're going to talk about what it looks like to be a Christ follower, part of that life. But what he says here is you're going to have to endure suffering. So I want to say that knowing God and being a Christ follower doesn't mean we're immune from suffering or pain or trials or difficulty. So the last words on the screens there, don't be afraid of suffering. In other words, suffering is going to come. It is an unavoidable that you will suffer. All those that live godly in Christ will suffer, Jesus said, persecution. He says, don't be afraid of suffering because we tend to want to be fearful of the implications of it. So Paul is willing to endure the hardship that he does, that he might live the life he's been called to live there. And leading others to believe and to receive and to follow Christ. And so, but he's keeping the bigger picture before him, giving this perspective in his last lecture. He's saying this you will be tired, you'll be frustrated, you'll be disappointed you'll be depressed, you'll have stress. You're going to face all kinds of hard situations. There will be pressure to conform. You will will be bullied in your life. And so he's saying, look, you need to get this, Timothy. Keep on is what he's saying here. So in your notes, it says, keep on. When your marriage is facing a trying moment, like keep on. When your kids are going sideways, keep on. He's saying, look, it is worth it to keep living the story. It is worth it to keep following Jesus. No matter what you face, no matter what you endure, no matter what you have to go through, he's saying, keep on keeping on here. Don't quit. Complete your calling. And so he also says in verse 5, Work at telling others the good news. Work, you can see it on the screens there, telling others the good news. So he's saying this, Timothy, saying, look, look, saying, look, the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, uh, that you can have a relationship with God, the good news is that it, is it, uh, Jesus has done it all. You don't have to do anything there. Through his death and resurrection, you can be right with God. That's the good news. It says, look, the good news of the gospel is in the scripture here. We saw last week in 2 Timothy 3.16, the good news talked about all scripture inspired by God. In other words, it is the very writing of God, as though God breathed out Scripture there. and It is recorded on paper. All Scripture originates with God. All Scripture literally is the very voice of God. It is the sovereign exhalings of a holy God. That's what the Scripture is. And so it is God breathed out, and He breathed out, and He breathed out out scripture there. And all scripture exists because God breathed it out there. So the Bible then, it gives you, if I could squeeze in one other point, it would be keep reading. Because keep reading this God-breathed book because it will give you strength for the storms of life. It will give you uh, grace for the shipwrecks. So and remember Paul's situation. There he is in this dungeon, they're telling him. And so this is what's going to happen. To make it real for you, this is what's going to happen. Paul's head is going to be placed on a wooden block. Only months, historians say, from this writing. And then uh, the the guys whose job it was to take his head off would say this before Paul, would say, By order of Caesar Nero... By decree of Caesar Nero, the king, and he would take off his head. Paul would lose his head in months, and it's and it's with that kind of awareness that he's going to lose his life, that he's writing this. And so he says, says in his last lecture, don't stop telling people. Don't stop telling them about Jesus here. Says, yeah, keep on keeping on. But also in your notes there, keep telling, keep telling. says in a few verses earlier in uh, verse two, it says, preach the word there. In other words, tell it like you have a platform. You have a position. You have a place in life there that God has given you. And he's saying like, look, leverage your platform to tell your story. You see, well, I'm not a preacher or whatever. That, that's not the point there. The point is, the point is this. God has given everyone, if you're a Christ follower, you have some platform. You have some position in life where you can tell your story, your God's story. If you're a student your, your platform may be your desk. Maybe it might be a Starbucks. Maybe it might be your cubicle if you work somewhere. Uh, perhaps it's your, uh, your opportunity. Maybe it's social media there. That could be your platform. And so the question is this, is will you step into it? Think of it, Paul, about to lose his life. He says, keep telling the story there. He says in your, uh, in your notes there and on the screens, work at telling others the good news. Tell your story. Talk to people. Tell them about significant moments where God has intervened in your life there. Just tell your story. And So why why would we want to tell our story? Because you're an expert on your story. No one can argue with you about your story. They can argue about God and argue about Jesus, but they can't argue about your story. (coughs) So just tell them your story there. And So now I want to uh, draw your attention to verse 6. It says this. It says now, Paul, he's drawing on his, his his deep understanding of the of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. There, and one of the things that they did in the Old Testament is they had something called a drink offering. A drink offering. He's going to begin to talk to him about that. The drink offering was a sacrifice before God uh, throughout the uh, many places in the Old Testament. There, where. Uh, uh, it was the last part of the offering after they offered like uh, a ram there as a burnt offering. The last thing they would do is they would pour wine over that ram. And the, and the wine would, would hit the ram and hit the, the flames there. And the, and the wine then would begin to uh, give a, a, a fragrant odor, a sweet smelling odor that would come up. And so he's going to make reference to that. And he's likening his life to a drink offering. Look at verse 6 says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. Some of your translations read uh, drink offering. And the time of my death is near. So Paul is saying this. I'm leaving. I want to talk to you about my life in my last lecture. Verse 7. I fought the good fight. Now he's reflecting upon his life, and he concludes this. He says, I fought the good fight. Okay, I finished the race. Now I have remained faithful. That's a conclusion. And historians are right. It would only be a few months before Nero decided this old man would die, but he would die with no regrets. Then the title of the series that we've been in and in your notes there, you notice it says no regrets, no regrets. This is a man who lived with no regrets. There was no sadness. There was no measures of regret. He had done what God had called him to do. He has no remorse, no sense of, of incompleteness, what he was equipped to do, he did. What God had given him to do, he did. And he says, I have fought the good fight. Now, I'd like us to think about that a little bit. Here's a man that says, look, in his last lecture, Timothy, this life is going to be a struggle. It is a fight there. You're going to have conflict. When he says, I have fought, the original language there is agonosos. So he's saying, I have Agonosos, the good fight, which means I have agonized. I have agonized in this life. So he's telling him in his last lecture that, hey, you are going to have seasons in this life where you just agonize, and that is the truth. There he says, look, you need to be realize that you will be engaged in seasons of struggle there, and it literally means when he says I have agonized the good fight. It's not just any fight. It's not, uh, it's not a boring fight. It's not a fight that is uh, a waste of his time. It's not a senseless fight. It's not a purposeless fight. It's not a ludicrous fight. It's not an, uh, an unending fight. It's not a boring or debilitating fight. But he says this. He says, I fought the good fight. Uh, when he says good, it literally means I have fought the most excellent fight. I have fought the noblest Of all fights here. He's saying, Look, it is a beautiful fight that I've been engaged in. And because of that, I have no regrets. I've agonized about this most excellent and noble fight. How awesome is that? And then he says to him, Here's what you need to do, what I encourage you to do, and that is to keep on keeping the faith. And then he refers to, again, this life of being a poured out life to drink offering. And I want to illustrate it this way. Because what Jesus did, what Jesus did is with his disciples there, is he said, this is the covenant, the new covenant of my blood. And he said, my life, my blood is going to be poured out for you. My, my blood is going to be poured out for you. I'm going to pour out my blood. This is my life. So what Paul is doing now, Paul is saying like, look, this right here, this is my life. This is a picture of my life. I think this is really important for us this morning because Paul is going to say, my life, my life is being poured out as a drink offering there. Now watch. In culture, this is what happens. In culture, this is what happens to us. We are told in culture that life isn't about being poured out. See, what we're told in culture today, uh, it screams at you all the time. I'm going to illustrate it this way. Here's what culture tells you all the time. Here's life right here. It's not about point out. It's about how much you drink. It's how much you get. It's get all you can, get all you get. But this is life. This is what they'll tell you. Here's life right here. This is life. Not about pouring it out. Not about pouring it out. It's about how much you drink. It's about how much you get. How much you get. Get all you can. Can all you get. You get, you get, you get. And that's that's what culture tells us. It's all about, it's all about this right here. It's just grape juice, baby. It's not what you think. It's just grape juice, baby. Reminds me of the story where there was a monk who was going the true story named Alfred, and Alfred was going to die, and so they brought Alfred some uh, some food there, some some wheat and grain, and he and he said no, that's not for me. And then they brought uh, him his favorite cow that he used to milk. They brought him some of the milk. He's like, it's no, not for me. And one of the monks could see how weak he was, and so they took the milk and they mixed the milk with some bourbon. And they brought the milk to Alfred and he drank it and then he downed the whole thing. And then they asked and they said, Alfred, do you have any last words of wisdom? And Alfred said, whatever you do or don't do after I die, don't sell that cow. Just don't sell that cow. (laughs) All right, back to the message. So, uh, so Paul is saying, "My life is being poured out, and I want you to think about your own life, because when you leave here today, what you 're going to hear is, is that uh, it 's all about you all the time, and life is to be lived like this. And that's a picture of life. And Paul is saying in his last lecture, "Oh no, this is a picture of life. It's to pour out, watch, pour out. See, I, I have fought the good fight. I have run the race. I've kept the faith, and henceforth there is a crown of righteousness which is laid up for me, and not to me only, but to all those to, that love is appearing. Timothy, this is how you're to live your life. In your notes there, keep being poured out. Keep being poured out there. And so keep, keep pouring. Keep pouring your life there. And so I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Jesus, bring new wine, we sang this morning. Bring new wine bring new wine out of me. I came here with nothing, Jesus, but bring new wine out of me. And so that is the message of the last lecture there. And so um, in your notes there, in your notes, you want to pull out your notes and look at them there, I, I questions for personal application. And the first thing is, who would God be asking you to, be, to begin to pour out your life to? Who would that person be or those people be? And what would God be asking you to do? This is to think about afterwards. What would God be asking you to do? And when would God be asking you to start that? Where do, well, the question is, okay, if, if the last lecture, I'm to live a, a to keep pouring out my life then, who? Oh, maybe it's a younger generation. Maybe it's people that have less experience with Jesus than you do. Maybe it's uh, pour into your children there. But find somebody, and God will show you. Just pray about who would he have me pour my my life into. And so the last lecture, keep on, keep telling, keep pouring. And finally, he closes with this, verse 8 on the screen. And now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me but all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. This tells us very clearly that the end of our lives is not the end of our lives. This tells us here that your life does not end with your last breath. There is a crown of righteousness. So Paul drew upon the uh, the imagery there of athletes there, the victor's crown. And so when you would win an athletic race there, they would get uh, a leaf Wreath uh, uh, that would go upon their heads. There, and he's saying, "Like, look, this is the ultimate reward. The ultimate reward is you will get a crown of righteousness, indicating that the eternal life promised to those who follow Christ there that that, that will indeed be theirs when they're in heaven. Jesus, of course, is the only way that we could be righteous, a crown of righteousness, the wondrous exchange that took place on the cross, where Jesus took upon Himself our loss." and gave us his gain there. And so he took upon the cross our sin and gave us his righteousness. And when we accept what he's done for us there, his sacrifice in our behalf, one day the Bible is saying this, you will be rewarded with an undeserved, an unmerited crown of righteousness will be yours. And so um, as we prepare to close here, uh, what is rewarded is a faith in Christ there. And so I'm going to pray, the band's going to come up, and then we're going to have some closing thoughts. If you would bow your heads with me. So Father, thank you that we can live lives that, uh, that we keep on, lives that keep telling, lives that keep pouring. And Father, I pray that by your grace, you would allow us to pour our lives into others. Father, that we uh, keep the faith, knowing that Um, that suffer and there are seasons of difficulty and and even agonizing. Father, we keep telling the one and only message. Keep telling our story. Father, we keep pouring out that we would choose to live a life of being poured out, to to, to continue pouring. So we ask that you would do what only you would do and make your words continue to come alive in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.